Well, it's way past time for praises, so well, we best get on with it. Sherry. I praise God we're having a bus ministry. <laughs> Carissa. I praise God Calista quit her job on the basis of not being able to be here on Sunday, and she found a new job. That's nice. better, and she gets to go work the rodeo and work for Joe's Crab Shack, which That's she awesome. loves. Awesome. And she'll be, she's just like so excited. So yeah. I knew you would do it. Of course, yeah. Uh, Give her something better. Anything you do for the Lord, you will get help. Always, always. Whatever whatever it takes to get it done, you get the help. Yeah. Yeah, Josh. Praise the Lord, we got church family coming with us to go be tortured. Yeah. (laughs) It won't be torture for James, believe me. No, I know. I'm looking forward. We we were watching the videos, and I was like, that looks like when we were on the farm. Yeah. <laughs> like what we I went hunting on Sunday once. You went on vacation several No. You and Lisa went to Chicago and you were gone on Sunday. I was in church on Sunday too. I'll be in church. How are you going to manage that? <laughs> There's church at night. Some places. <laughs> Like I said, I went hunting on Sunday once. Once, that's all it took. Huh? Never do it again. Yeah. I'm not a prophet, you understand, in the sense of being able to predict the future. But you might do this once. 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 You might do it once. I'll leave it in your hands. You've been studying the Bible. You know, you know. You know, you know everything I got to say about it already. <laughs> All right, who else has praise? Francis. Um, I just want to praise God for um, Iowa's eviction got dismissed um, because of improper notice. So he has a place over his head, him and his family. Um, I also want to praise him for. Um, the disability has moved him to the top of the line because of this, and so he should know Monday and start making, being able to collect disability. Okay. So he right. can provide. And the county usually, they, the way it works is they have to have a, a term, what do, you, what do you call it, eviction notice on their door, and then he takes it to the county, and the county pays it for him. Well, they didn't bother to do that this time. So I think um, he's kind of putting things in Kyle's place, uh, at least helping them keep a, a roof over their head for now. Well, let's, but we all know what he needs. So. Yeah. Well, it's a sad thing that some of us have to hit bottom pretty hard before we're willing to look up. But that's better than not looking up. Yeah. Governor, did you have a praise? Yes, I do. Sometimes, as you said right now, we take things for granted. And about oh, this last week, I got, uh, I don't know what happened, but I felt down real bad. I'm talking, I couldn't even get out of bed for two days. I didn't go to work. And uh, I was overwhelmed by it such that you know, we neglect to get ourselves in focus to pray the, for the Lord, to the Lord or we just blank out. Yeah. And uh, I pray for the idea of recognizing it and to realize that he's always there for us. Amen. Bob. Last week was 
you know, uh, a special week for the church. And you had asked for praise. You wanted heartfelt praise to God, to everybody. And I apologize to this class. I apologize to the church in the fact that I'm slacking. I should give praise every day, not just here, but in public when I see people. And I say that to my shame. Generally, when when I speak, I look at the crowd, and that's going to be a problem for me. I love people, but the thing of it is, I get uh, emotional, and that's not a bad thing. It's just something that I have to do. Right now, my throat is a little messed up, and I apologize for that. But I do praise God. I I cannot thank Him enough for the blessings that He's given me, for the fact that I'm sitting here. I'm going to let that stop right now. Amen. Okay. Okay. All right. Mary. Yeah, just like what you were saying, it's a wonderful thing to praise the Lord. When you praise the Lord, something Amen. happens to you. Lord. You know, when you wake up in the morning time, you know what I do every morning. It's, it's, it's just, a, I did it this morning, I do it every morning. It's a wonderful thing to praise Him and just love Him. Linda told us at home, she's like, she actually does that every morning. Because on the yeah. cruise, you yeah. know, she was with you. Yeah. Was like, on the cruise, oh yeah. On we, the cruise, we Linda, we stood there, we prayed, and we, I mean, we just go crazy for the Lord. It's an awesome thing. No matter what anybody wants to say, it's, that's their problem. You know you love Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's their problem, man. You love Jesus. Praise Him. Amen. You know, see somebody telling me. One time I finished reading that book and I went, went to Walmart and saw this lady. I saw full of dark love. You know what I did? Oh. And she was in a wheelchair. I went and hugged her. I said, lady, I just want to tell you Jesus Christ love you. She's like, thank you. I couldn't help myself because his love is so powerful. Our superpower. I fall in love with him, man. And just love him. Amen. Amen. Who else? Praises. Christine. So, um... First thing, I actually had enough nerve to stand up and talk last Sunday, so that was praise itself. But um, trying to hang with the big boys. Just, you know, Josh and I have been going through things, changing things, adapting things, um, and really just kind of finding ourselves over the last two years, really. Um, and over the last probably month or so, God's given us some really good direction. And we're taking it and we're running with it, and we're. You what? We're running, running with it, it, literally, in many ways. No pun intended. <laughs> but, you know, to to have that that warmth and that guidance and knowing exactly where it's coming from, pushing you harder and harder, saying this is what you need to do, just do it. And when you finally open your eyes and see it and you do it, you're like, yes. Yeah. So I just, I praise God for that because it's, we've needed that and now we have that and now we can just, we can run with it. Amen. All right, Josh. I want to add to that, uh, you know, having the direction of getting wisdom from others and being able to take that same information we're getting from them and finally getting the word of God. You know, I'm studying Proverbs and 
I'll learn wisdom from that. They'll teach me what I need to know about growing my business or this X Y Z. And I'll get in the book of Proverbs, and there it is. There it is. Right in the Word of God. It worded differently, but it has the same meaning. And it just kind of, it's like a, hey, he said it, and the Bible says it, double down. Amen. Like that, that must be something pretty important, because the Bible says it, you know? Yeah, pretty important. Amen. Amen. Uh, Sherry and then Gilbert. Did you have your hand up, or did I miss it? No, Gilbert then. Go ahead. Sometimes we uh, have trouble. We're praying for something that uh, it's not that we don't deserve it, but the Lord keeps it from us. And you were emphatic following through it for it, but He knows that if He does, something wrong will go with us. And He prevents us. And uh, sometimes we become somewhat stubborn, not realizing that that's kiss our own hedge of protection. Go ahead. I want to. Praise God for my new friend, Miss Lisa. We had lunch this past week, and it was so incredibly amazing. I got Good. a lot of really great guidance from her. So. Amen. Amen. She's a good mentor, for sure. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Anybody else? Jerry. I had a... Uh, I'm going to praise the Lord for His Word. Uh, I'm, the last two days, I've gotten a lot, a lot of Scripture done. Amen. Yeah. Amen. You've had a couple of rough weeks out there, there for a reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah uh, aren't they, Mike? Yes, sir. Are <laughs> <laughs> you getting beat up too? Sometimes, Sometimes, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Life is bumpy, for sure. Yeah. But it don't. I just praise God for the adversity because that's where I'm growing. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. And then I would say that there's always, like, you kind of peak and then you kind of come into a little valley. You know, you, it's kind of a, I wouldn't say a roller coaster. It's more of like a, you get breaks and then you kind of got to go into work again and you go in breaks. Yeah. Yeah, it's mountains and valleys, that's for sure. That's for sure. Which does you the most good, the mountains or the valleys? Oh, the valleys. No gain from no pain. Amen. Oh, no. Wait a minute. The mountains where you do all the hard climbing and the valleys where you rest. That's true. But we don't look at it like that, do we? We look at the mountaintops and say, yeah, I'm on the mountaintop. And when we get in the valley, it's, uh, you know, in the valley. Like mountaintop, 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 like. Yeah, well, it's ups and downs, that's for sure. Okay, all right, anybody else? Other praises? Yeah, go ahead, Jerry. I uh, actually had a, a bronchitis attack on Monday, and I was afraid God done better. Amen. Bronchitis attack, that sounds like a dinosaur attack. Yeah. Bron- bronca something. I got a phrase. Go ahead, Mike. Say, has really, like, it's taken the last year, but she, like the last two months, she's like, wants to be on my tail. She wants to follow me around. She wants to, she's like, really, you know, enjoying being, having a dad, I guess. Yeah. So, I'm like, that took a while for her to warm up. Yeah. So. My daughter, Jenny, always wish that we had a better relationship. 
And uh, she came in for an event uh, this week while Lisa was out, and we visited before she had to leave. And, and it was uh, really wonderful, like kind of like I'd hoped it would be someday. Aww. That's awesome. Uh, well, it took 30 years, but, you know. Better late than never. Better late than never. That's right. So. Yeah. yeah, that was good. All right, anybody else? Okay. some progress with my teenager. So, I was, that was my unspoken for weeks and weeks now. And I think we're on the road to some sort of peace. Okay. So that's good. Teenagers are tough. It's a hard year. <laughs> it is. It's a very, very hard year. Middle school is the worst. I always said mm-hmm. I would take two to four year olds before I take teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My favorite pre teen sixth grader. Yeah, that pre teen is a pre teen. Well, what you take is what God gives you. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. And eventually yeah. they grow up to that. Yeah. My favorite yeah. is fifth and sixth graders. Oh, no. Not right. too young yeah. to be yeah. too rowdy and too. Nope. Six, seven, and eight. Yeah. How would you like to have your mother to have named you Lemuel? <laughs> Hey, Lim. Hey, go tell Lim to get in here to clean this mess up. That Lim was better than Lemuel. Well, Lim would have what been what got boiled back down to Lemuel. Like a branch off a tree, Lim? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> We're going to talk about the advice that Bathsheba gave to Lemuel this morning. And there's, a, there's an awful lot to discuss in here. Uh, we're just going to talk about a few of these things. We're going to talk about what destroys leaders. We're going to talk about uh, misuse of alcohol. We're going to talk about heavy hearts and merry hearts. See where it goes. With you guys, it could go anywhere. <laughs> never, never, I never know where it's going to go. I know where to start, but I never know where it's going to end up. That's okay. Like I said, what we're going to take is what God gives us. We've learned about conies and locusts and spiders and ants and lions and greyhounds and goats. And now we're going to learn about kings. Uh, let's, we're going to read eight, uh, nine verses and, and we're going to come back and work through them. The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. What, my son, and what, the son of my womb, and... What are you doing now? What are you thinking? And what, the son of my vows? Give not thy strength unto women, nor will thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Open thy mouth for the dumb and the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. This passage appears to say that if a person is depressed, I think that's what a heavy heart is, kind of what it comes down to, then... Uh, let them drink enough to forget their misery. And some would interpret that to uh, to uh, sometimes it's good to get drunk. 
That would kind of fly in the face of what the Bible says in other places in Proverbs and in other places about alcohol. So that really, uh, does the Bible ever disagree with the Bible? No, never. Never. So that cannot be what it's talking about. Josh? Could be talking about that sometimes some people in certain situations need a little kick. And getting, well, honestly, you know, you could drag it out over a week or you get drunk, you're punished for it the next day with a hangover. You say, all right, I'm done, I'm over it, let's move forward down the road instead of stretching it out. Possibly that's what it's saying. Yeah. Having a drink and getting drunk, oh, yes. in my opinion. Yeah. There's if a Bible you have a hard day and you, want, and you don't have an alcohol problem, you can have a drink and not, and you're not get drunk, but. Yeah, does, the Bi- does the Bible say that it's a sin to drink? No. No. Does the Bible say it's a good idea to drink? No. No. Right here it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right there. There's a heavy heart. And other places. That sounds like brokenhearted to me. Where it says heavy heart. In other places, I remember it. You talked about. Uh, <laughs> talked about. Hold on, let Francis speak. Go ahead. In other places, it says where you're not supposed to drink around your children. Okay. That's what you have said. That's always the Bible. One lesson. Well, there are reasons to abstain from drinking, and there are people who have absolutely no business drinking. Kings, for one. What are you before you become a king? Prince. Prince. A prince. Kings and kings and kings and princes. Why would she tell him it is not for kings, O Lemuel? It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. What he was at the time she told him this was probably, or maybe at least, a prince at that point in time. Daryl? This brings back a memory where a mother was telling her son, this thing's kill kings, destroy kings. Well, that's what she says here. Clarissa? When you're a king, you are you have to always be ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't get to, not to be, to be diverted in any way. The influence of anything. Okay. Then uh-huh. you're also supposed to be leading the people that are following you. So you're not really setting an example for the people that are to come behind you, right? Okay. Well, you're held to a higher standard like a pastor. Perhaps, yeah, like a pastor. Uh, I went to uh, I went to batting practice with the seniors, uh, malt players, uh, this last week. And uh, one of the guys there was, was talking about how he enjoyed his beer. And he's talked about how much he drank and I was just hearing a conversation between two other guys you know what his limits were and that sort of thing and I'm going to at some point that conversation is going to come up and it's going to turn to me I've been there before done that so I know where it's going to go and what I have to tell them is that I can't drink and they're going to want to know why Uh, I can't drink because if I do, even though I may not have an alcohol problem or a problem with drinking alcohol, which I don't, I've never had that problem, 
That's thankfully never had that problem. Uh, but I can't drink uh, in moderation or otherwise because if I do, the people who are looking to me for leadership who cannot drink, and some of you simply cannot drink, period. You can't do it. If you drink one, you drink 12. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, we, you know, we laugh that's funny, but that, that's one of the saddest things that we have to deal with in life. Addiction is a horrible, sad thing. Gilbert? The Lord Jesus, uh, his first miracle was blessing and sanctifying the wine at the wedding. Yeah. And uh, what happens with us in our character, our weakness can overrun us. And that, that this is where, uh, instead of you having the joy for the vice, the vice get a hold of you and gives you uh, destruction. Let me ask you a question. Do guns kill people? No. 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 And spoons don't make people fat. Right. It's what we do. It's the problem. So guns don't kill people. People kill people. Is that true? That's true, is it not? Yeah. Well, then uh, apply it to alcohol. Yeah. Or anything. Alcohol is extremely destructive. Guns are extremely destructive, but it isn't the gun. It's destruction. Somebody needs to teach Biden and the ATF this, but they're not listening. It's what you do with it. Uh, are there legitimate uses for alcohol? There are. Pour it on a gunshot wound. <laughs> you bring it full circle. Having <laughs> one with Mexican food. Uh, Josh, go ahead. My uh, German, she's pure German, my grandmother, and uh, she used honest. to carry. She carried a bottle of uh, Jägermeister, and that she always told me, she said, "This is for medicinal use." And she was dead serious. It wasn't for happy time. It wasn't for sad time. It wasn't for. Anything else? It was only for medicinal yeah, uses. Now, the I was I was young, so I don't know what those medicinal uses were. But I just I remember that vividly that she tell me, said, "Josh, this is for medicinal. You can carry no other. She carried no other medicine to at all. That's the only medicine she carried." Well, there historically there have been a lot of medicinal uses for alcohol. Some of those were turned into other things. Do you know the origin of gin and tonic? No. The origin of gin and tonic was uh, it's the British Army. Uh, they were in places uh, where there was a large degree of malaria. Do you know what you take for malaria? Quinine. It's quinine. Quinine. Quinine in and of itself is very bitter, very hard to take, and it's what they used to treat malaria back then. And so they begin mixing it, sweetening it, doing other things with it, and it and it ended up being gin and tonic. And they, and they liked it so much it just kind of became the national drink of Britain. Then it uh, got out of hand and the uh, more, more of the women in Great Britain were addicted to alcohol than the men after a while. 
because they were working in the ammunition factories while the men were overseas, and the men got what they were rationed, and the women got whatever they wanted. It became a national tragedy, actually. And uh, one of their writers said that uh, our war is with Germany and Austria and alcohol. The greatest of these is the alcohol. So you can see kind of where it, what the good uses are and then where it goes from there. Uh, Gilbert? Just to emphasize on that matter is that uh, in Europe, it's, it was traditional to do that. Uh, to wine with your dinner or lunch or whatever. And it was not been down, but uh, the weaknesses of humanity vices it. Well, it's still traditional in most parts of Europe to drink wine with meals. And it is traditional in Israel to drink wine with meals. Germany drinks beer like we drink tea. Uh, (laughs) Germany, uh, Lisa, her origin is German. Blonde hair, green eyes, German. And her family was everything German especially the beer, especially the cocktail hours and all that. She grew up with all that. She really hasn't had any problem with it, uh, giving it up or whatever, but that's just what she was raised in. So she was raised in that. Uh, one, one of the things you'll, you'll find in your Bible, and I didn't go to look them all up, but you'll hear, you'll hear it talking about water and wine. Wine was mixed with water often for the common drink for mealtimes for two or three reasons. Anybody know what those are? Go ahead, Chris. No, I was just going to say, like, you, you remember, like, back in the Western and stuff, like, when they would, like, get a wound and they'd have to sew it up, like, they'd take a drink of, like, whiskey Four or full of whiskey and sew it yeah. up. Just to well, they'd get a big drink first, then they pour it on there. That's <laughs> what they use their anesthesia with. <laughs> yeah. Alcohol is not effective as an anesthetic. If you drink enough of it to pass out, then you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. They, and that's that was not unusual during the Civil War. There were there were a lot of things done in our past history, biblical history, and otherwise. Uh, a lot of things done uh, use in, with the use of alcohol. Go ahead, Josh. Uh, Get your hand up. Wine was mixed with water to uh, kill the bacteria, the bad bacteria. It was. It was. That make more of it. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. That it was used, it was used as a purification. Francis? Then, I mean, you have medical doctors on TV telling people a glass of wine a day is really hard. I was told that when I was pregnant. Well, it's, it's, uh, there are, there are legitimate uses. There was a hand back there somewhere. Was it Jerry? Go ahead, Jerry. Since we're talking about this, we balance this with Ecclesiastes 5.18. I'll read it real quick. Behold, that which I have seen is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor that he taken under the sun all the days of his life which God gives him for it is his portion. Amen. Yeah. It just said it's good and beautiful <laughs> to eat and yeah. drink. Great. Unless, I'm mis- unless I'm misunderstanding that. The Bible is very clear about limitations. It, it, it didn't say drunkenness. That's always wrong. Yeah. That, is not, that is not beautiful for the Lord. I'm sorry, say it again? I said it doesn't say drunkenness. Drunkenness is always wrong. Drunkenness is not beautiful. Right. 
drunk is not what he wants to see. Right. Yeah, like Proverbs said, when it changes color in the glass and starts moving by itself in the glass, yeah. you, it's time to stop. Right. That's, that's, that's that is pretty much that's 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 exactly what it's talking about by the way that's exactly what it's talking about the uses of alcohol are often but the bible does set uh does set limitation we had some legitimate uses of alcohol this morning right we do every sunday morning that was in moderation very little moderation yeah the Lord's Supper, obviously, is. Uh, does anybody understand the the limitations that are placed on alcohol for the amount of alcohol? Does anybody anybody know where that comes from or where that's found? What's it again? The limitations. The limitations on what can be what can or should be drunk at any particular time. Uh, let's let's just go look at that. Uh, go to Numbers, Book of Numbers. Uh, chapter 15 and uh, let's see we'll start here with about verse number 5 I think Uh, it's talking about offering Passover for example Passover is to be observed with what element the lamb the wine and the bread for the Passover so, if your family is small and you're getting ready to observe the Passover, what do you do? Bring in some more people. You bring in some more people. Uh, other Jews, other another family perhaps. How many? How many people? Need enough to eat the lamb. Enough to eat the entire lamb, the whole lamb. Okay, that's important to understand if you want to if you want to know the real biblical limitations that are placed on wine. Well, here it is, uh, Numbers chapter fifteen, verse five, and it tells you how much flour to make the bread with too. That's in here too, but that's not what we're looking at right now, and how much oil. Uh, verse number five, and the fourth part of an hen of wine for a drink offering shalt thou prepare with the burnt offering or sacrifice for one lamb. A hen is a gallon and a half, 124 ounces. Well, there's some opinion about that scattered around. Because nobody uses the hen as a measurement today. So you have to go back and do some study. But I'm giving you the liberal view on that, the 124 ounces versus 64 ounces, which is a gallon. But let's say, let's just go to the outside of it, the top, the top number you might go by. It says one-fourth of a hen. At the top number, one-fourth of a hen is 31 ounces of wine. 31 ounces of wine is how much wine is to be consumed to eat with an entire lamb. Now, the lamb could be. You see any? Per, do you see per person in here? What do you see? A fourth of a hen for one lamb. And if you don't have enough people to eat the whole lamb, you bring in more people. How many people do you think it takes to eat a whole lamb? <laughs> 
About two. A lot. Huh? About two. Depends on the size of the lamb. No, like a lamb. A lamb, not a not a full grown sheep. A lamb. A lamb. A lamb is small. A little baby lamb. Well, a lamb is a baby. Yeah. I guess that makes more sense. See, I am smart. Now we don't really eat lambs a lot. Uh, but here in Texas, you probably have had some cabrito at some point. Yeah. So should we ask, is it a normal lamb or like a Texas lamb? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> right? Sorry. It's got to be rotten somehow. Back before all the steroids. Well, no, I, one thing I can tell you for sure, it has to be a lamb without spot or blemish. It has to be a pretty much perfect lamb. And they were whole roasts, right? They didn't like... They, roast the, they roasted the whole lamb. The whole roasted lamb. Probably five people. Five to eight. Clean it after you yeah, cook five it. to eight people, which would be about two families. Yeah, you're going to have bread, bread, bread stuff with it. So. Yeah. Well, you got you got bread, and you've got uh, wine, and lamb. That's it. There's no green beans and sweet potatoes. It's just it's just lamb and and bread and wine. Gilbert. It's a yearling. It's basically like a veal. That's a no more than 45 years, 45 days old. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty good size. Not, you know, not an infant, not newborn, but a pretty good size lamb. Probably a lamb, I would say, is probably about 25 pounds, maybe 30 pounds, somewhere like that. Field dressed, coming down to where it's roasted, probably going to be 15, 12, 15 pounds. So about... Three, six, nine, 46. twelve. So about five people. That's about three pounds. That's still a lot for this person. Yeah, a whole yeah. pound of roast can feed up to forty-five people. Yeah, so that's a lot. Uh, what's it say now? It says a whole lamb on the roast can feed up to forty-five people. No, that's a Texas size lamb. Yeah. It must be. <laughs> that's good. It must be forty-five people. That's a lot. Well, I, I don't think. I don't think you're gonna. I don't think you're gonna. I don't think you're gonna get. You know, more than ten or twelve people at the absolute most. But even that, divide 31 ounces by that, and how much wine is the Lord allotting for each person in the Passover? It's going to be about a Well, 31 ounces. Uh, if, there's, if, there was, uh, if it was 36 ounces and there was 12, that'd be three ounces. So it's about two and a half ounces. A little bit more than we have in the Lord's Supper, but not a whole lot more. If you go to like a steakhouse to eat, the first initial amount of wine they'll offer is four ounces. I don't know. I never get so wine out, so probably yeah. pretty close because that's not you know. But the point I want you to see, and it's right here in the scriptures to see, is that we're talking a very small amount of wine. It's to be drunk not by itself. It's to be drunk with food. So, you know, you're really not going to you're really not going to find anything in the scriptures that's going to give you here's drink and go ahead and drink whatever you want. It's not a big deal. It, you're not going to find that. Gary. OK. Since you said that about Romans 14, 21 to 23, I'll read it. It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby the brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. 
Yeah. That's why I simply can't drink. I can't drink and be seen drinking. If I did want to drink some wine, I'd need to do it at home by myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I've told you that before. Somebody said, Pastor, when you go on vacation, do you have a drink? And my answer is still the same. It is none of your business. <laughs> I don't know why, but I love it when I hear you say that. <laughs> it's just that, that's the answer. That's a biblical answer. It's, it really is. Josh, go ahead. So, so with this showing how much of this amount of wine that they're talking about drinking the Passover, essentially I would think it shows that you don't drink in public, period, because that's not enough. What's the purpose of drinking in public with that amount? So you'd only drink at home anyways. And, they, and there's another issue. Nobody's mentioned that yet, but now that you've brought it up, what would be the purpose of drinking at all? Feel good. Feel good? Yeah. I just well. like it with, yeah, I like it with um, Mexican food. Like, I think I need a, a, a margarita with Mexican food. It just yeah. seems to go... Completes the ensemble. It does. <laughs> like that's the, usually the only time I have a drink is when. So so we drink for fashion. We're yeah. Americans. Yeah. As long as there's a pitcher along with it. No. No. I'm just kidding. I'm no. Just kidding. One, one margarita. That's it. One margarita. So well, you got to ask yourself: Are you? Are you? You're only talking you, like one shot yeah. of tequila. So. Yeah. Are you drinking because of the flavor of the drink? Are you drinking because of the feeling you get? No, the, the flavor. You better, you'd better know. You better know. One well, then, I mean, me okay. honestly, if you're drink like, if you're drinking it, you probably like the flavor because most likely, unless you're ordering something that is just tainted with an unreal amount of alcohol, you should not feel the effects of one drink, right. but you should not be drinking one drink to feel the effects of one drink. It should be like a leisurely drink, but I guess I understand it both ways well, because... Charlotte, uh, Christine, you're, you're, you're starting to sound like way too close to being an expert on this. <laughs> All right, Jerry, go ahead. I got, I got one more for you, then. We're on a roll here. Ruth, uh, Ruth 3, 7. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, not is drunk, drunk being the past tense of drink, when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, and he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn, and she came softly and uncovered his feet, and he laid, da- he laid her down. Now, who was Boaz? Boaz, a very, very respectful man. Yeah. He, he, wouldn't, he, he wanted Ruth, Ruth wanted him, he would not take her because she had a nearer kinsman that should have her before him. He knew he, she wasn't going to want her, but he went and offered her to him first. Yeah. So and there's there's no negative connotations I can see in there anywhere in there. And it says it says to after he eaten drank his heart is merry. Yeah. One thing you're always going to find in your scriptures is that always you're always going to find God telling whatever it is just like it is. Just like it is. There won't be anything pulled back or hidden. It'll be tell it like it is. Whatever wherever it falls, it falls. The people in the the Cana wedding. Their custom was. To serve the uh, the worst quality wine they had at the beginning, until everybody was tipsy enough to not know the difference, and then they would serve the uh, 
or they would drink the better wine, and then they'd serve the worst wine to the last. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not as well versed in this as Christine is. Go ahead, Jerry. When, when Jesus when Jesus turned water into wine, they made an accusation. The the uh, the master of the party he tasted the wine. He said, "You've been holding this back." Yeah. Because that's how good it was. Yeah, it was a good well, wine. Jesus made it. Cream. It, it was good. And I was told early on that well, the the wine that Jesus made wasn't alcoholic wine. It was the other kind. Uh, it wasn't alcoholic wine. It wasn't wine. It was I know. We, uh, we're going to be honest with the scripture about these things, even when it may appear that we're not teaching people the right or the best things. There is no excuse in the Bible for getting drunk. When men are on their deathbed, the custom has been throughout history to either strong wine or or. Uh, some other. You know what? Uh, my past few hospice friends of mine have gone home to hospice. They kept them high as a kite on something. Well, today. They medicate themselves with it. Today we use we use morphine for that primarily. Yeah, yeah. So they were used. But that's what that was what it was used for, and. Uh, and it's, she had morphine too. Yeah, and she would not share it. 